0: So I got another random Elvis fact that I learned recently.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Uh, so I was watching a clip of Liza Minnelli on the Graham Norton show. And she revealed that when she was in Vegas, she met up with Elvis. He's like, come back to the suite later. And she's like, gorgeous suite, beautiful suite. Uh, we were there all hanging out. And then suddenly a man bursts out of the cupboard or armoire and begins karate fighting Elvis. And it turned out it was Elvis's karate instructor that I guess he told to go wait in the closet or the the cupboard or whatever so that he could show off his karate skills.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's like the uh that's like the old rom-com classic of like, hey, I'll go take this lady's purse and then you can beat me up to get it back and then everyone will think you're really cool. Like, yeah, just come attack me and I'll show off my martial arts skills. No one will know what's going on and everyone will be super impressed.
0: I mean I imagine they were probably also all on pills, oh, so it yeah, must have been probably. amazing.
1: Yeah, it that had to have been an experience to be a fly on the, to be a wasp on that wall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the wasp is dead. The wasp that was plaguing me during the previous episode's recording is dead. I didn't karate chop him, but (laughs) close. If if Elvis had been here, he would have saved me for sure. Uh, All right. Shall we get going?
1: Yeah. Let's do it.
0: hi yeah. Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira and I'm a fan of romantic comedies.
1: I'm Brett and I am a fan of horror movies. Just for shits and giggles, what do we do here Brett? Oh, well each week we uh pick a movie based on a theme. You pick a rom-com, I pick a horror, and then not only do we have a great time watching and reviewing the movies, but we also remix the movies. What? We turn the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. And it's a fantastic time. Oh, it's a lot of fun
0: to to make these movies all shook up. Uh, And today we are continuing the theme of Elvis.
1: Yes. So are you going
0: to see the Elvis biopic?
1: I mean, if I have to, you know what I mean? I'm not opposed to it, but like I... If your I, hands
0: are tied.
1: Like, I don't think Sonya's really interested in seeing it. When I go home, actually, I'm I'm going to go to uh, Phoenix to, to see my family. My mom, my mom might want to see it. She's a big Boz fan. And my dad, most of... The, I mentioned last episode that I had family members who liked Elvis. A lot of them were on my dad's side. So... Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll watch it at home if it's available on streaming, because we don't want to go out to the movies to see it. If we're going to yeah. go to the movies while I'm at home, we're going to go see Thor, Love and Thunder. Come on.
0: But would that movie be improved with more Elvis in it? Yes. Do you think Elvis improves everything?
1: Mm, maybe not everything, but... I think you could have some fun Elvis stuff in Thor Love and Thunder. For sure. Yes,
0: Elvis continued. So (laughs) last week or last episode, we saw an Elvis movie. We got to see him young, handsome, vibrant and vital. And now we we have a transition to old Elvis uh so the the origin of this whole theme was really you wanted to watch Bubba Hotep so tell me about your history with this movie uh
1: I don't think I saw it when it first came out but when you know I was probably working at Blockbuster and I saw Bubba Hotep was a movie on the shelves and I wouldn't have really known anything about it. I didn't I mean the guy who directed it, right? Let me pull it up so I can get his name right. Don Coscarelli. He's done he's a horror guy. He's like a he's a horror guy. Um I've most seen, people I've
0: would, seen names like Phantasm, but I yeah. don't even know what it's about. Yet. Yeah, like so as a horror fan, tell me tell me who this person is.
1: Well, so Phantasm. Phantasm is really the thing. Uh, I've only seen the first one, and it's a fine kind of movie. Um, But, like, he's a horror guy. So the fact that, like, he directed this movie was not a big thing for me because I hadn't seen Phantasm at the time. And I wasn't a big Elvis fan or anything. But Bruce Campbell, I did know because Bruce Campbell, right? Like, if you're a fan of horror movies. Bruce who? Bruce who? Bruce Campbell, um, he, he just, he, like, this was... Is he your Meg Ryan? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But he, like, there is no one else like Bruce Campbell. And so there was a period of time where around this movie, me and my brother just watched a bunch of Bruce Campbell movies. And this was it. I think this was kind of, like, what inspired us to go deeper into the Bruce Campbell, uh, oeuvre. But, yeah, um, you
0: know how I love that word,
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember watching this movie with my brother and having a great time. Neither of us knew what it was about. Neither of us knew what we were getting into. I don't really think anyone knew what they were getting into with this movie. <laughs>
0: I think this is a great movie to go in completely blind. Completely. You hear the name Bubba Hope Tub? Does it interest you? If it interests you, then watch it. I I feel like this movie had been on my radar. Like it it ended up in a bunch of best of lists, and I and I feel like I've read at least one review of it, but then I never went to go see it, or you know. It, Again, it wasn't a rom-com vehicle starring Meg Ryan. So it was on my radar, but it wasn't on my to-do list. Right. Uh but I I was I really enjoyed it. I I thought that it it had a lot of charm to it. Uh and I feel lucky enough that I I filled in some of my Bruce Campbell gaps when I did um what what do they call it, you know, in October when you 30 I did I did 31 days of horror. Typically for me, I save most of my horror watching for the month of October so I can just really get into the mood for Halloween. And I decided that I would watch some franchises. So, uh after I had gotten into the whole Freddy Jason respective um series, I thought, you know, might as well watch all of the um uh, what do you what is Bruce Campbell's main series called again? Evil.
1: See, I'm Dead. not. I'm not a big.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I decided to watch Evil Dead. I watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, Army of Darkness. Uh, I didn't watch the remake, but I watched all the movies that had a uh, Bruce Campbell in it. Uh, and and he does have a really fun madcap type of vibe to him. Which I think makes him a really ideal person to play an older Elvis, or really an Elvis at any time. But it just happened to for this movie work really well that he's he's senior Elvis.
1: Yeah, Bruce Campbell has a very like you said charismatic, very self-conf. He's very very comfortable in front of the camera. He's a natural showman. He just, like, he has all the Elvis traits without being like Elvis, but he's an actor. I don't know if he
0: has all of the Elvis traits. I would say that he, he reminds me of a Tex Avery cartoon.
1: Yes. And this movie is, I I was thinking about that when he, when he jams a metal fork into a heating, yeah, a, a little heater and he comes out. And then he out, electrocutes himself. He comes out completely unscathed. <laughs> it's, yes, it's a very Looney Tunes, Tex Avery idea of physics and silliness, um, which is very welcome. Uh,
0: I think, as far as horror comedies go, this movie just manages to walk that line so well between horror and comedy, where it's not too goofy or it's not too, um, horror driven. It manages to really get the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like evil dead Two, I mean, this is pretty much like a Bruce Campbell showcase. You know what I mean? Like you kind of got to just be a fan of Bruce Campbell to really appreciate this movie. Um, cause he's,
0: I think that's accurate. He's
1: in it for most of the movie and he gives these amazing film noir esque voiceovers, <laughs> but it's done with this like pessimistic, tired, angry old man, Elvis. <laughs> like he's regretful and he's angry, but he's sad and he's ju- like it's mm-hmm. all these things, but he's also just really vulgar. And cranky, and the whole mixture just really comes across perfectly. Through. He's vulgar
0: and cranky and utterly pathetic, but yeah. he embraces that with just he embraces that fully. He doesn't try to lampshade it, he doesn't try to act like uh, uh, i pathetic, but wink wink. I'm actually really cool. It's like, no, I'm really at rock bottom here
1: Yes, (laughs) and
0: I am not the man I was and that is so sad so but then it's never like too sad it's never it's never like cocoon or something like that where it's like oh these old people are so sad Uh, they've got things to do they've got mummies to kill
1: (laughs) yeah at the end of the day we get this little mummy mystery that they have to solve and they've got a little mission to go on
0: Right. Yeah. Uh so shall we get into it? Yes. So I, I'm gonna be filling in some details with this Wikipedia summary because it doesn't it doesn't really encompass like what it's like to watch this movie, which is so we really begin with a definition of Bubba and a definition of Hotep. So Hotep meaning descended from the Egyptian royalty and Bubba. A guy from the south, usually a poor, poor trailer trash guy, a cracker, a a redneck, or a good Good or a good old good old boy. Uh, Which is, I'm glad that they defined hotep because my understanding of hotep is that it's a black guy who's really pro black, but also anti gay and anti feminism, and then obsessed with Egyptian culture and calls every. Buddy, kings or queens, uh, but in this case, we're we're not talking about that that kind of hotep. I don't know uh, if I'm but,
1: familiar but, with your version.
0: So, it, I mean, it's it's um, usually it's like a type of person that gets made fun of, but it's um, it's a it's a very like Afrocentric black guy, but who's also not in like not liberal at the same, so very socially conservative but also really pro-black. Uh, so th- this definition of, of Hotep was very different. Uh, but for, for the purpose of the movie, we Bubba Hotep, it's important that it, it gets defined at the beginning. And we open up on this guy who's obviously Elvis. He's telling us in his voiceover about his regrets in life. And I feel like for the first... 30 minutes of the movie, he's kind of like Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka, where he is just on permanent bed rest, where we we never see him get out of bed until the plot moves us forward, which is his roommate dies, and then uh, his roommate's daughter is digging through all his stuff, trying to find the stuff she wants to keep. She throws away his photos and his purple heart.
1: That's so funny, man. When he's like, "It's so
0: mean." <laughs>
1: when he's like, it's, "Yeah, he really liked that purple heart. <laughs> Can I have it? He really liked right, it. Like, yeah, it's, it's his not purple heart.
0: It's a fucking purple heart. Like, yeah. you're not gonna keep that. Uh, but." this is how we get the introduction to the explanation of why is Elvis in this rest home. And I also like that it's um, the mud Creek shady rest retirement home in East Texas. And you know, mud Creek shit Creek is basically up shit Creek without a paddle.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And, and he tells his nurse and the daughter of his dead roommate. Well, he explains that he's really Elvis that he switched places with an Elvis impersonator named Sebastian Hoff. Uh, and he did it because he wanted to live a, a quiet, happy life of anonymity. But the contract that he drew up with Sebastian Hoff exploded in a barbecue accident.
1: <laughs> and a it's barbecue very, accident, it's, which is more like just complete barbecue negligence.
0: <laughs> oh it's so it's so great, it's great because he's he's outside of his um his trailer he's right. in the trailer park but he's happy he's, he's so he's happy. happy he's got
1: friends and people like him for who he is and he still gets to sing and be elvis and be a showman but he exactly. doesn't yeah yeah yeah. it's great
0: uh, but yeah the trailer explodes the the contract is gone uh, and then what and ends up happening is just he, a great uh... little,
1: great little Bruce Campbell touch of um when when Elvis goes to meet Sebastian. Oh, and
0: it's Bruce Campbell, and it's
1: Bruce Campbell, and he's got the little bit of like gunk on it, the corner of his mouth, and then when they make the switch, and he's he comes out of the of pie. room. Yeah, he's got like the great pie or something. He like he's cleaning off the side of his mouth to show us the audience that like the switch has been made. And then he goes for the door handle and his crew's like, no, no, no. He's like, Oh, that's right. It's all yours, buddy. Um, but like, Oh, it's just such a great switch. And-
0: I I agree they they did a really good job of condensing that without telling us anything. They just show us happen we get Elvis's voiceover yeah. but it it's his backstory is very elegantly explained. So we learned that one one night when he is Elvis playing Sebastian Hoff playing Elvis, he's gyrating. And he falls off the stage. Did they do some Johnny Bravo whip cracks when he's like moving around a little bit too? I thought that they added a little bit of that sound mixing in there, but <laughs> he falls off the stage and falls into a coma. And so now we're here 20 year, 20 years later, he's in bed rest. Uh, and he, uh, before all this, he mentions that he has like this, this thing on his dick yeah his dick hasn't gotten hard for many this is a very like man's movie where it's like I'm old and my dick don't work which is you know as as a woman not as interesting to me but it's just this is where this character's at my my dick doesn't work and it's got weird problems
1: yeah um, but I mean Elvis was a sex icon you know what I mean like To go from the pinnacle of sex icon to just another old man with dick Dick problems. problems. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) and it fits the vibe of the movie, which is that regretful sort of disdain for life, but also like disdain for everyone else who hates life. Um, Yeah, I just, I loved it.
0: No, it's great, and w- what makes this even better is, of course, everybody in the nursing home is like, "Whatever, Mister Hoff." And I, I do really enjoy his nurse, who right. seems like she's been listening to this spiel from him for years. Yeah. Um, but the only person that he can really hang with in the nursing home is Jack, who is a black man who insists that he's John F. Kennedy. But his skin was dyed black after the assassination attempt. And then he was abandoned by Lyndon Johnson in the nursing home.
1: Yeah. And part of his um, brain is in the the is in D.C. And he's got a pack of sand in his brain where his brain should be. Right. And he's just he's a kooky character.
0: He's a kooky. He's a kooky guy. But, you know, Jack is is down with Elvis and for what it's worth, he believes them. It's kind of it's kind of like we're in a feature length version of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer meets Michael Jackson in the psych ward and it's Michael Jackson voicing somebody who doesn't look like Michael Jackson at all but insists right. that it's him. Uh, but it, it's kind of like that. Uh, And I really like
1: that the movie never really tells you either way if either of them are what they say they are.
0: No, no, you know, we, well, we got the whole, you know, we didn't get the actual um, flashback for JFK for Jack. So I think that's left up in the air, but we do see that he has a scar. So he is telling the truth about some things. As far as Elvis is concerned, I feel like it, it's made clear that he is who he says he is, because otherwise, why would they show it?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if there's any definitive proof, but yes, like there's no doubt in my mind. I think anyone who watches the movie will go, yes, that's Elvis, but he's an unreliable narrator. You know what I mean?
0: This is This is also true. Uh, so what we learn before we actually learn what's going on, we know that something is happening to the residents here. This woman who, um, hold on one second. So again, Wikipedia pretty much jumps straight to eventually Elvis and Jack are forced to face off against a reanimated mummy, but like, (laughs) whoa, 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 you just, you just gave me one sentence to condense what happened. What really happens is we see our first kill, which is this little old lady who likes to steal from people. Like she steals the glasses right off of this woman's face when she's in an iron lung. And then she sees a box of chocolates and she's like, I'm going to take that too. So I think we're we're supposed to feel like, okay, maybe she had it coming, Um, but a scarab attacks her in her room. And what I thought was kind of crazy is like alien from alien. uh, The scarab had a little, a little head inside of its body. So I thought that was kind of a funny little touch where you think that you're looking at the whole scarab and then this tiny little head pops out and it's like, me, me, me.
1: Yeah, it's this cool thing of like, oh, it's just a bug, right? Like it's a big bug, but it's just a bug. But then there's this additional aspect of like, no, it's a weird supernatural danger is coming bug. And uh, she she puts up quite a fight against the bug, but unfortunately for her, she's no match for that Bubba (laughs) Hotep.
0: She is no match. And then we get our first little comic relief scene with the Undertakers taking taking her out of the home and like, ah, I guess we're back here again because they just end up there so often that they're that they're just used to taking these bodies away. Uh, and then we had our second victim, which is Kimo Sabe, where he tries to fight uh the mummy, but he's not able to. He also gets taken out.
1: Yes, well, I think his roommate gets their soul sucked right because the thing is that when your soul gets sucked it's oh, gotta right. be sucked the through roommate any major is
0: the first one <laughs> and we see and a shot live.
1: we see a shot of Bubba Hotep like ripping his pants open to get to his butt because either you suck it out through the mouth or the butt that's obviously where the soul comes from if you're gonna suck someone's soul you gotta suck it out from somewhere um and even Jack Jack's got a whole book about it but um Yeah. Right.
0: Jack is, Jack is hip to what's going on. So finally, we, we get to, I think this is after death number three, we get to the fight between Elvis and the Scarab where. He has to fight the scarab. It's a great scene. He tries to trap the scarab with his bedpan. But then, like a little ninja, the scarab is is holding on to the walls of the bedpan. So he turns it around and then the bug flies out at him uh and then as you mentioned earlier he manages to impale the bug and then he sticks that fork into the heater electrocutes himself but manages to kill it's more like a little
1: tickle it's more like a little tickle for him but uh the scarab is on the end of his fork like a flaming marshmallow
0: But this this reinvigorates him. This gives him purpose. So yeah. when he has to endure this lobster esque, um, humiliating treatment by the nurse who basically has to rub ointment all over his penis, he suddenly gets a stiffy. And to her credit, she's like, "Oh, Mister Hoff," she doesn't she doesn't freak out or anything like that. But he realizes, oh my God, having a purpose in life gets my dick hard. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that, that start, well, also <laughs> I mean, I, he doesn't say those words, but. It,
1: he doesn't, but he does. <laughs> it is that kind of movie. <laughs> um, but also I like the, uh, the, the breakdown of like what a small soul is versus a big soul. Like a small soul is just someone who doesn't really have a lot left to live for. And so this whole idea that this mummy is going around just picking off small souls at a nursing retirement rest
0: They're little amuse-bouches for him.
1: Yeah, he's just able to sustain himself on this little... Little bit, but um, yeah, and
0: and they they keep people keep coming in and out, so yeah. it's just an it's an endless buffet. So both Elvis and Jack are kind of hip to something going on, but because they're in an old folks' home, nobody believes them. So even though they know that Kimo Sabe, their friend who thinks he's the Lone Ranger, it seems like everybody in this home thinks that they're somebody more important, right? Which I I found. Pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, but they they end up, you know, lying about what they know. But more importantly, when Elvis sees Bubba Hotep coming from Kimosabe's room, they lock eyes. And suddenly Elvis has a flash to Bubba Hotep, the mummy's history, and we learn that um, you know, Halloween Michael Myers style. The mummy is being transported. The mummy gets stolen. And then on a dark, rainy night, uh, the car loses control on a bridge and he ends up in the river. And that's how the mummy is able to get loose, reanimate, and then, you know, slowly, you know, mummy walk over to the old folks home and start stealing souls. But now Elvis has like a telepathic... He's got a connection to the mummy. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh. But but I also like that Jack uh, revealed that he, li- he... He believes that Elvis is who he says he is, but that he was wary because he'd heard a rumor that he hated the president. And right. so he makes Elvis swear that he was not involved with lee harvey oswald or jack ruby
1: right yeah he um (laughs) which
0: i thought was pretty funny
1: there's a lot of great little touches in this movie i really like the fact that uh jack's like elvis's room is essentially like he has a bed and another bed and a tv and that's it like that's all there is but, but
0: JFK, JFK
1: has like the presidential suite. <laughs> he's got I, carpet, I that. And bed. He's got a bed with bedposts and he's got candy and trees, mug
0: and, shots yeah, of the of all, killers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I like that too, and I like that you know there's always going to be somebody who's hitting the books and doing the research and and giving us the exposition, and and Jack really fulfills that that role. I. I really liked him. Uh,
1: But also he he readily admits that like, it's all kind of made up and he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's just kind of like his best guess. Like at no point does he say he's an expert. Every point along the road, he's like, I don't know. This is my best guess.
0: Right. No, he's making it up as he goes along. One of my favorite throwaway lines from him though, is I think he has the woman who calls herself my niece drive him to the library or something like that but it, but it's like it's so perfect for maintaining no i am jfk right. so whoever this lady is she's not my real niece <laughs> but you know he's just he's just going with it yeah and and it doesn't seem like they Oh, I, I, another part I, I kind of glossed over, I, I enjoyed that Jack is the one that finds that the mummy has written hieroglyphics into the bathroom stall, and it's something like um, Cleopatra does the nasty, yeah, <laughs> which I thought was, was pretty funny. And we learned that the mummy eats souls, and then it also craps souls. And what that means is that if your soul is eaten by Baba Hotep, then it is no more. It gets digested and your soul is gone. And so they know that the stakes are really high because whoever is killed by this mummy, they don't even get to go to heaven. They don't get to get reincarnated. Whatever's supposed to happen to your soul after you die uh doesn't get to happen if the mummy takes your soul so that gives elvis the impetus to call i like that he calls jack on the phone and And it's like the red
1: red presidential phone for jack yeah the
0: red presidential (laughs) phone he's ready to serve his country to to serve this mission And you can tell that Jack is really touched by it because he probably deals with so many people being like, you're not the president. You're just a crazy old man. But but Elvis plays into it. He whether or not he believes him, he treats him with dignity.
1: Right. Yeah. By the end of the movie, their friendship is really it's really nice. Um I also like I, the fact I agree. that um at one point j f k says you know he probably scribbled some graffiti on the pyramid walls too in the great pyramid there's no hieroglyphics except for some graffiti in one of the chambers, and so Ooh. like that's now that i I've dove deeper into ancient civilizations and pyramid conspiracies and stuff like that was kind of really cool i bet you don coscarelli like i bet you he's all hip on that kind of stuff you think
0: he watches that guy with the crazy hair and the memes on the history channel
1: oh yeah oh yeah big time
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they create this elaborate plan to destroy the mummy. Basically, they're going to burn him to death. They fill this um, spray paint canister. fill They fill it with gasoline. And then I think Jack has some kind of incantation that he's found to ward off evil. Yeah,
1: they uh, each get a and- copy of the incantation for later mm-hmm, uh, yeah, uh,
0: and, and I, a very fun touch we, we learn, we learn at the perfect time what the incantation right. actually says. Uh, but they they decide that they're going to go after the mummy, but they're both old guys. They're a little grumpy old man. So it's showdown time. and I don't know if this is intentional, but Jack falls asleep. Does he fall asleep to lure out the mummy or does he fall asleep just because he's
1: old? I think he just falls asleep because he's old. (laughs) And
0: and then this draws out the mummy. But the mummy, even though it's a slow mummy walker, is also kind of shifty. So, you know, Elvis looks at the mummy, but then the mummy's gone. Uh, And then the mummy is moving towards uh, Jack but Elvis can't get to Jack quickly because he's using a walker. Uh, and then Jack manages to wake up in time. Uh, and then uh, he's knocked out of the wheelchair, but then the wheelchair is still going. Right. And the only way for Elvis to get to him in time as for him to strategically be in the right place so that he can fall into the wheelchair uh, and then pilot it to where Jack is and prevent him, yeah. uh, from getting uh, well, s- his soul sucked.
1: Yeah, he may be an old man who's got hip problems, but when the when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove and Jack's soul is on the line, you're right. He does this cool thing where he like lets the wheelchair take him away and he scoops up the gasoline. And he, he goes full steam ahead. Damn the torpedoes. Full steam ahead.
0: Great callback. Uh, I I really loved... The, this fight scene was really well done because yeah. we never forgot that they were two old feeble men, but they're just trying their damnedest to get this mummy. I also... I I neglected to mention that when they suited up for the face-off with the mummy... Elvis had one of his classic iconic rhinestone jumpsuits. Of and then Jack dressed up in his presidential suit and he had a little flag pin. Yeah. Uh so I, I like that both of them were like, this is how we go into battle.
1: Right. Suit up.
0: So Elvis manages to get the mummy away from Jack, but then Jack is still dying, right? So he basically passes away right there and then slips Elvis the piece of paper with the incantation, which is a nonsensical, barely rhyming poem yeah, it's like Elvis. Sounds-
1: <laughs> Elvis at first is trying to read it, like it's gonna work, and then the more he reads it, the more he's like, "What is this?" <laughs> and you're right; it's just like this little, this little nursery rhyme. <laughs>
0: it, it sounds like something that Jack just thought up himself,
1: right? right. Uh, and then he rhymes. told,
0: El- yeah, he told Elvis <laughs> that it was an incantation from a book, but it really was just something that he made up on the fly. And yeah. I don't know if it was because his intention was that they should carry these pieces of paper, but never get to the point where they have to read them or he sincerely believed that it would work. Um, but it's, it's a great, it's a great send off for that character.
1: Yeah. I like, so this, this very much has a sort of Aqua teen hunger force esque vibe of like, one of the things I love about Aqua yes. teen is that like, Meatwad is is such a child in that show and Master Shake is such a a teenager who's trying to like impress Meatwad but also like not really be friends with him but like Master Shake is just making up all of this stuff as he goes but Meatwad is always like believing him and it's kind of the same thing here where like JFK Jack in the movie is just making everything up as he goes but there's kind of a little bit of truth to it in a way like he's got the right idea he just has no idea what he he's doing.
0: He acts like he's Frylock but right. he's more like Master <laughs> yeah. Shake. Uh I also enjoyed again before they go into battle uh Elvis is like I just got one question for you man Marilyn oh yeah (laughs) and And he's like that's classified (laughs) but between you and me wow
1: yeah he gives Uh, a childlike answer like it's uh it could be condescending and and womanizing but he's like his response is wow
0: <laughs> yeah it's all it's all i i feel like this this movie has a somewhat juvenile sense of humor and right. if you take yourself super seriously and you know you you think of yourself as an adult maybe this movie isn't for you but if you are also somebody who laughs at poop and fart jokes and dick jokes and stuff like that, then it's fun. And I am one of those people for the record. So I think I, I found it appealing. Like the juvenileness of the humor worked for this movie really well. Uh, So Elvis has to then fight the mummy on his own. Uh, But he ends up rolling down a hill and he gets a gash in his abdomen. Is one of his ribs sticking out of his suit? Is that what we're meant to be seeing, or did something pierce him?
1: I honestly couldn't tell, but yeah, it's he's he's damaged. He's wounded. Um, he's wounded to buy something, or yes, it's a little and bit it unclear, seems like- but yeah.
0: Yeah, it seems like the mummy has won, but the the paint canister has a hole in it. The gasoline is leaking out. Elvis is able to reach into his spirit pouch uh, and he draws a match, lights the match, throws it on the gasoline. The mummy is lit on fire. All of the trapped souls inside the mummy's butt get released. Uh, And then we have a whole uh, Mufasa night sky moment where Elvis is on his back, dying, feeling the life leaving him and the stars in the sky change into hieroglyphics that mean all is well.
1: Yeah. Uh, And it was really touching when he was like, thank you. Thank you very much to like the universe.
0: Of course he has to sign off with thank you. Thank you very much. I, I thought that that was extremely corny, but also completely appropriate.
1: Yeah. And yeah, he's like, hey, I may be going out, but I'm going out my way and my soul's intact. And I'm hail to the king, baby.
0: Yeah. He dies and then roll credits. Yeah. Now, question is, I know that you and Sonia are watched through the credits, folks. Did you watch through the credits of this movie?
1: I did. I did watch through the credits of this movie. So for the
0: people who do. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and I learned that Brian Tyler did the music for the movie. He's he if you look him up on IMDb. He's done a bunch of movies. I mean, he's done a, a bunch of Marvel-type movies. I think he he's done some other horror movies. I think he did Rob Zombie's Halloween. He helped do the score oh. on that. So like he's a he's a big guy now, but I don't know how big he was in 2002. So it was cool cuz I thought the music was really well done in the in the movie. I thought it had a good undercurrent of like you know, it, it had it, it kind of had like one main theme broken up into two parts. There was like happy part and sad part. And it just right. worked.
0: You, you know, I love a a film composer and I, I do feel like it, his composition for this movie was great. He had a, a bit of an Elvis twang on the guitar and some of those more meditative moments. And when uh, Elvis has to face the scarab and the mummy uh it gets more heavy metal right uh i i I think that you're right i think he did an excellent job
1: yeah so yeah but yes at the very end of the movie we get a little teaser i mean i don't know imdb kind of shows it's you know it's kind of one of those movies that's
0: so it was meant to be a joke. This right. this teaser for Bubba Hotep 2, Curse of the She Vampire, starring Sebastian Hoff. Right. Uh, but eventually I learned that they so they released Bubba Hotep. The the teaser for the sequel was meant to be a joke, but then the director thought, hey, people like this movie. Maybe maybe I should do a sequel. But currently, that sequel is stuck in development hell, as they like to call it, because Bruce Campbell and the director had some disagreements over the direction of the story, from what Mm. I understand.
1: Yeah, that stinks.
0: And French Kiss is still not (laughs) on streaming. (laughs) Yeah. Just reminding people of that uh but but yeah uh any final thoughts before i ask the question
1: uh no i just really think that this movie is like i don't know i don't smoke cigars but i feel like this is the kind of movie that feels like a cigar where like you know when you smoke a cigar it's different than smoking a cigarette you kind of like puff on it and let it simmer and you let the juices don't inhale you'll get sick right so like that's what this movie kind of is you shouldn't inhale this movie but it's nice to let it like tickle your gums and make you feel good a little um it just again and swish
0: some whiskey around yeah it's more meditative i think you have that right
1: right and i think um i i really would like to see viva las vegas at a drive-in um, with with a bunch of people who are into that kind of 60s culture. But uh, it'd be cool to see like Evil Dead 2 and Bubba Hotep as a back-to-back at like Fantastic Fest because both of those movies are just straight up Bruce Campbell showcases. And it works, man. Bruce Campbell can make it work. Like if you need to if you need to make a movie where it where you have an actor carry the movie on their shoulders, which isn't always a bad thing. Like sometimes that's what you need. Bruce Campbell is that actor. He can do that.
0: I detect no lies.
1: Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm I'm thinking I know who you're going to pick, but.
0: So I, I'll ask you first. Uh, okay. Who did you have a crush on in this movie?
1: Well, I was a little sad when when uh, Elvis, when Sebastian kind of snapped at her. But the nurse, the nurse lady, I really liked her kind liked of Pam Greer sense of like... Like old lady sassiness of just
0: no nonsense.
1: Yeah, no nonsense. all you know she she could put up with him. You know he was a little vulgar to her, a little rude to her, but she you know she took it in stride. I just didn't like it when he snapped at her at the end. They should have had a moment. Yeah, no, where... he can he
0: can he can crank his own pecker. Yeah, whatever he said.
1: Like I mean, I oh, do no, get I it. I can
0: loop I can lube <laughs> my own crankshaft. <laughs>
1: um i loved it when the uh one guy was like what kind of bugs are you seeing and he's like i don't know it was a big bug the size of my fist size of a goddamn peanut butter and banana sandwich what do i care i got a growth on my pecker <laughs> he's just <laughs> so angry about that growth
0: I, I was surprised that you didn't pick Bruce Campbell, Sebastian Hoff, uh, Elvis, whatever we well, call I him. I mean,
1: a crush is like Or is a that crush. just a given? Like a, yeah, like Bruce Campbell is the he's the dating material, marriage material of the movie. <laughs>
0: oh. Um,
1: how about you? Who was your lo- uh little crush?
0: Okay, so first off, I want to know who do you think I'm going to say?
1: I was going to say Jack.
0: Damn it. Yes, you're right. Of course, I love Jack. I think he provided a lot of heart. I think that he is the impetus for Elvis to start taking the threat seriously, and to rise to the occasion. So I think it, you know, he's not the he's not the star of the show. This is definitely the Bruce Campbell showcase. But he helps make it happen. He helps make him shine.
1: Yeah, he, he serves to, to like give out the exposition. But because of the way the character is designed, like none of the exposition feels forced. It all just feels no, like not this at all. crazy, kooky old man is just he's just tapped into the the weird side of life.
0: Very much, very yeah. much so. So this movie was definitely oh, right. more plotty. So how how did it feel to remix it into a romantic comedy?
1: This one was even. Th- this is. Gonna, I can go through this one super quick. I don't really All have. Right. I don't Let, have anything. Uh, get
0: give me what you got.
1: I've got Bubba Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we, um, we, we've we got like a retirement home and I'm just keeping it as Sebastian and Jack, right? And Jack is going to be uh, an old black man who is a closeted gay man. And he can't come out because of the oh stigma no. against gay people. And Sebastian is just your cranky old man. He's just cranky and hates everyone and everything. But our our main sort of trickster character who gets things going and we kind of see the whole movie through their eyes is we're going to have Bubba Cupid. Bubba Cupid wants to graduate onto like whatever is the next step above Cupid, right? So like Cupid is a job. And then you get so to So he's go. a
0: junior in this organization of matchmaking deities.
1: Right. And so his job is to make people fall in love with each other, but he's never had a successful Uh, coupling because he's from the south and so every time he tries to make people couple up and connect it turns out oopsie they're related and so it doesn't count and so we get a little bit of southern humor in there and we have bubba cupid and his mission is to make two people who are not related fall in love and so we're going to have
0: hey this is the south they could be related (laughs) (laughs)
1: They could be. I know. Well, that's the thing is uh, it keeps happening to this poor Bubba Cupid. And so how is he going to get around it? Well, he scouts out this retirement home. He finds Sebastian. He finds Jack. And he decides he's going to intertwine their fates. Right. And so the big thing is we're going to have this big talent show at the end of Elvis. And it's just going to be you get to do whatever you want Elvis related. Um, It's the Elvis talent show at the mud Creek retirement home. So the first thing we're going to do to get the, the two characters who don't really know or care about each other to kind of meet and butt heads. The first thing we're going to do is do speed bingo. And so they're going to have the whole bingo hall and somehow you got to have like, all of your, you got to have five bingos in a row on each individual bingo card. So we're just going to be blasting out bingo numbers and it's going to be super intense. And it turns out both of them get bingo at the same time. And it turns out both of them have identical cards, which in bingo, I don't know how bingo works, but I imagine having the same bingo. Is that card, allowed? I think that would be like impossible, like statistically impossible. So it kind of creates tension there where like, they're both winners, so they both have to share the prize, but also they're both like, did you cheat? No, you must have cheated. So now we kind of at least get them on the same wavelength. The second mm-hmm. thing is, of course, we got to have a scene with grandchildren. So I have like five set pieces here. So we have a grandchildren set piece. So Seb, Sebastian, uh, Bruce Campbell, he doesn't like his kids And his kids come to visit him and he's kind of really cranky. Maybe he doesn't like, he resents his children for putting them in the home or whatever. But Jack, Jack doesn't have anyone to visit him. Maybe his family knows he's gay. So they've shunned him. They've kicked him out. They've thrown him away. And so so sad. I know. So now Sebastian is going to overhear Jack giving one of his grandchildren a little pep talk about how like being different is okay. And like the world is scary, but you have to be brave and people are scary, but you have to be yourself because there's no one else like you. Like he's basically being the grandfatherly figure that Sebastian isn't. And Sebastian kind of takes offense to this, but also like, you know what I mean? Like he can't, he can't already yell at, at at Jack and the Grandchild cuz he's already seen as a cranky old man and he knows that and but he just he doesn't know how else to act. So now we get the bug catching contest cuz we got to have bugs in this movie. I love bugs. Uh, I mean of course. And there's bugs in the movie. So we're going to have this bug catching contest where like whoever catches the most bugs gets whatever. They get a prize or they get an extra day at the whatever um and jack kind of uses sebastian's ego to trick sebastian into like catching the most amount of bugs which is to say that like he catches lightning bugs in bottles and so then at the end of the scene we can have like a little moonlight dinner picnic scene with all the old folks and it can be lit up by the moonlight And instead of having candles and stuff, it'll be jars of lightning bugs making the whole scene. So like, even though Sebastian's cranky, he inadvertently by being tricked through his ego makes this moonlight picnic, very romantic and nice for all the other family, for all the other old folks. Right. So it's, it's like he's mean and cranky and he's doing it out of spite, but something good ends up happening. And he likes that. So now him and Jack are kind of like, maybe we should, um, maybe we should like get together and do something fun for all these people. Cause he likes seeing their eyes light up with joy and lightning bugs. Um, and so what they do is they end up taking the pills that the, that the resident home gives them. They take the pills and feed them back to the staff. You know, they crush them up and put them in the whatever And then they make the staff sleepy and zonked out. Because, of course, the pills, like, zonk people out to make them more sedative and make them easier to handle. So once the staff is all zonked out, they take a bus and they go into town and they have a whole day on the town. And we get a whole little montage. Without
0: supervision. Right. They get to have candy.
1: Yeah. All the candy they want. And... um, so it's just like a cute little scene and then the, the staff wakes up and they're like, what happened? And, and they have to go and like wrangle the old people. Um, and then the last thing I was just thinking of is like a super soaker water gun fight of like Jack and Sebastian, like, playing inside the retirement home with the super soakers and water balloons and like they're trying to get each other but all the other old folks are in the way but the, you know there are there's so much collateral damage everywhere but it's just water so it's good old-fashioned fun and they end up getting really wet and it's like they're all wet and, sh- and shiny and <laughs> and it just it's like It's just really sweet and they end up spending a lot of time together and Jack ends up telling Sebastian like you know one of my things was even though I'm a gay man I watched an Elvis movie growing up and I had a crush on Elvis and I always wanted to be Elvis and I wanted to reenact this dance scene but I was never good with girls so I never had a girl to be in this dance scene with me. So Sebastian, the cranky old super straight white old Wait, man but is he
0: straight? Well, totally?
1: he ends up putting on the dress to reenact some Elvis dance number from some pick your movie Viva Las Vegas or whichever one.
0: The Anne Margaret dance where the she goes Ann- crazy Yeah,
1: and they all break their hips. Um and then at the end of the movie, they end up essentially just kind of like becoming roommates and sort of bedmates. And it's not really about like a physical love for each other. Like we'll throw in a kiss, right? Cause we got to have a little smoochy smooch in there, but it's not Be about them being together as romantic partners. It's just about them finding someone else to share and enjoy life with And then Bubba Cupid gets to graduate to like, I don't know, Bubba, Bubba Matchmaker or whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I just, uh, just a bunch of old people jokes. How about that?
0: Well, I do think that seasoned romance doesn't get as much attention as romance between younger people. I think that we should be telling more stories about romance at all ages, so I think that that's very sweet. It's them as older gentlemen finding love, partially platonic love, although... Why not just let him be gay?
1: Well, I mean, at the end... they're not. He could
0: be bisexual.
1: He could. Well, well, I mean, at the end of the movie, they kiss, and they're, like, physical, but it's not like, you know, it's not like they're... Well,
0: their dicks don't work, so they're probably not doing much. So
1: it's more just about (laughs) cuddling and kissing. But yeah, Jack (laughs) is like, you know what? I'm here for the affection. I want to feel loved. I want to love someone back. This is the guy who, you know, I'm not gay, but this guy has entered my life, and I... Grown to love him, so I mean, I guess I can kiss and cuddle, but I'm not gay. We can make that a joke in the movie.
0: He can be bi.
1: Well, he's not bi. He's a hundred percent straight.
0: No, I don't like that. I no. don't like that. My note is my note is he can't. He's one hundred
1: percent straight. He's just okay with a little bit of kissing and cuddling and spooning, and you know, just I mean, but he's not gay. <laughs> Whatever you say, Brett. <laughs> Whatever you say, cranky old man. but yeah so essentially at the end he's like "Eh, labels don't matter it's all about who you love and all that
0: love is
1: love all is well um i like it so that's just a quick little pitch for bubba cupid (laughs) what do you got (laughs)
0: So, again, I I wasn't totally inspired. And in moments where I'm less than inspired, I like to pull a a Quentin Tarantino and just reach into the grab bag of popular culture and see what pops up. And I will say that my remix is partially inspired by uh, there's a romance novel by Lisa Kleypas that's called uh, Stranger in My Arms. And the premise revolves around a soldier coming back from war uh, to his wife. But the wife recognizes the person that went to war. And the person who came back ain't the same guy. Uh, So I really ran with the identity switch aspect of uh, Bubba Hotep. Yeah. So this is called uh, Stranger in Graceland. I like it. And uh, so we retain that Elvis decides to switch places with Sebastian Hoff, an Elvis impersonator in East Texas. And then we, instead of following Elvis, because we already know Elvis's story, Bubba Hotep, this time we're following Sebastian. So Sebastian is, is just so thrilled to accept this offer, but he doesn't realize what he's getting into. There are factors that neither he and elvis counted on namely priscilla now priscilla is fresh off of her divorce from elvis and she's ready to become her own woman she met elvis when she was 14 and he basically formed her entire identity and now she's ready to be her own woman Um, but, you know, she's still very much in love with Elvis. He just, he broke her heart. He doesn't do moms. Uh, and so she, she had to move on. Uh, and so she brings Lisa Marie to Graceland to spend some quality time with her dad. And she, and this is before she goes to to shoot photos for her new fashion line, uh, Priscilla prior to getting with Elvis and after getting with Elvis was a model. So she mm-hmm. was able to resume her modeling career and stuff like that when they broke up. But she quickly realizes, Hey, this guy who's at Graceland being Elvis is not Elvis. I know my, I know Elvis. Uh, and so she also realizes that this Elvis is so sweet to her. He's so kind. He's so gentle. He's so attentive. He's so not Elvis. And then Sebastian does he love her him. tender? Oh, of course. <laughs> but Sebastian is a major Elvis fanboy, so already he was attracted to Priscilla. Right. Right. Um, but meeting her in person is different from looking at pictures, and he's just you know, immediately insta love for Priscilla. And so he woos her in the way he knows how to woo a woman, not the way that Elvis would, which is I'm fucking Elvis. So there's, I'm sure like Elvis has game, but does he need it? No, right, right. Uh, but Sebastian's not Elvis. Uh, And he also starts to realize that this is kind of a fucked up situation where Elvis left his, family to go be on his own and now he's supposed to stand in and be a father to little lisa marie it's messed up um but you know he he wants to do right by them uh and priscilla decides that she's going to delay her trip so that she can get evidence and investigate what's going on but the problem is that she finds herself really liking this impersonator. It's, it's kind of this restorative experience for her where she gets to have this man who looks and talks like Elvis, but acts in the way that she wish Elvis had acted towards her. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's almost this weird thing where it's like they both kind of know it's fake, but they don't know that the other one knows that it's fake. And they engage in this fantasy together because they really enjoy it. Uh, And so finally they sleep together and this makes Priscilla more sure than ever that this man is definitely not Elvis. And so she grabs Elvis's golden gun and then aims it at Sebastian. Tell me who the fuck you are right now. And then. Sebastian admits to everything immediately and agrees to help Priscilla find the real Elvis. And then I wrote that she says there might not be a real Elvis after I find him.
1: <laughs>
0: because she's, so, she's right. so mad. And so they go on a road trip together from Tennessee to Texas, where they fall even more deeply in love. Uh, And then by the time they find Elvis, it's just so conflicted because they really care about each other. But at the same time, he's not Elvis. He's taking the place of another man's life. Elvis has responsibilities, but they get to Elvis right as he does this performance where he breaks his hip and falls into a coma. So now Sebastian is basically stuck being Elvis So we see the other side. So we don't know what happened during Elvis's coma. Maybe they really did look for him. Um, But Priscilla decides that at this point, she needs to let Elvis go and she needs to let Sebastian go because she can't live her life defined by this man. She needs to go out into the world, star in the Naked Gun movies with Leslie Nielsen, And find her own way. Uh, and she tells Sebastian that she's leaving him. He's devastated. And then he sings Always on My Mind to her, a cappella. And it's it's very emotional. Bollywood time jump to one year later.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Priscilla is opening her store, Biss and Bo. And who does she see in the crowd? But Sebastian dressed as himself. And of course, Sebastian's basically Bruce Campbell. Right. And Bruce Campbell is a handsome man, but he's appearing to her in as himself, not, not as Elvis. And they smile at each other. And it's implied that this is the beginning of their reunion. Roll credits.
1: Very nice. Yeah, that's a good That sounds like a good companion piece to this movie.
0: Right. It it means that everything with Bubba Hotep can remain exactly the same. It's all canon. Uh, But this all happened while Elvis was in his coma.
1: Yeah. And what's it called again? He wonders
0: why Priscilla never came back for him. (laughs) This is why.
1: Um, What is your movie called again? Stranger in Graceland. Stranger in Graceland. I like the name.
0: Yeah, uh, again, uh, the Lisa Clapus book is um, Stranger in My Arms. Oh, right. So I, I thought, okay, it has to have Stranger in the title. And I did look up Elvis songs that have Stranger in them, and the only one was Stranger in the Crowd, but it didn't really make sense for the movie.
1: Yeah, I like Stranger in Graceland.
0: Yeah, like Babes in Toyland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah no i i i enjoyed that one um and i i i know that uh what is it sebastian slash elvis was thinking about priscilla so i i thought well what about priscilla yeah so before we get into our love bites just want to remind everybody to Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. That's always nice to do. Uh, and you can follow us on social media at NecromancerPod. Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week?
1: Uh, well, I know you've seen it a little bit because Sonia tells me all about what you guys talk about at the gym. Um, you've seen gargoyles? The
0: I have the seen gargoyles. Yeah, yeah. The main gargoyles kind of hot.
1: Yeah, Goliath. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, Goliath
0: and the the who's what's the name of the lady who yeah, helps Elise. the gargoyles?
1: Yeah, Elise. Elise. Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Goliath oh. and Elise definitely have something going on.
1: Oh yeah. Um, it's I never watched it as a kid. Like maybe. Two we episodes? had the Gargoyle
0: game when I was a kid. Like,
1: what game? did you ever like play those board- Super Nintendo? Oh, a board game.
0: It, it was like a board game. Did you ever play board games that came with like a VHS tape where you'd like watch the intro to the game and then you'd play it? It, it was one of those. I did not
1: know. I'm so lucky that I never <laughs> had to to try to wrangle the fast forward rewind machine on a on a VHS to find the rules for a board game um no i i never played that but um i i wouldn't have e- either way because i never watched the show but the internet man the internet loves this show it's just it's always stuck in the pop culture it's like a, a kernel in your teeth it it's is. just like in pop culture it's just stuck there So I finally decided to uh, sit down and watch it. And Sonya was like, I'll watch it with you. So we watch a couple before bed. And man, this show is awesome. Uh, There's three things. One, every single time they break out of their stone shells, it's awesome. Every single time. And it happens twice an episode, which is a lot for a 23 Doesn't it happen
0: in the intro, too?
1: yeah. And so, like, they're, the constantly, is really cool. they're constantly breaking out of the stone and every single time they make it count, which is very impressive. Two, I love how that, like, the gargoyles are silly and half of one of them's is like a, uh, an old man who just sits down and watches TV, only shows up when he's needed. Three of them are like kids, so they're going out doing their own little hobbies and getting in hijinks. And then there's Goliath, who's the leader. And he's a very like MCU Captain America leader, where like he always makes the best decision. Right. He's very noble. He listens to the people that he trusts, he incorporates their ideas into his, and he learns from his own mistake. Like he's such a great leader. He's never boring, he's always great. But like the show is so silly and goofy, but it's Gargoyles, which is a very gothic creepy yeah, scary it kind idea. of a gothic
0: undertone like yeah it's, it's like Batman: the animated series little brother
1: yeah oh yeah 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 you could definitely see the news report switching from like the riddler to the gargoyles in one news segment <laughs> like just another day in new york city um but like Anytime their eyes glow because they lose like they they don't just they they lose their kind of personality like their fun personalities and they become the monstrous gargoyles. And like they have to like kick ass to save the people they care about. It's so awesome. And then three, the the other thing I really like about it is this kind of Metal Gear Solid franchise-esque sort of fast in the furious franchise-esque sense of like. Yes, they have this core sense of what makes the universe like the gargoyles and then the bad guy and then these other people. But like as the universe slowly expands, it also is imploding in on itself because we're midway into season two now. And like the way they keep reintroducing the same characters and have those characters grow and like change It's so cool, man. So like, it's not just, you know, every week there's a little thing. There's a continuous story. They're constantly breaking out of stone. And anytime their eyes glow, (laughs) it just, it's catnip. It's pure catnip. And so as someone who has no nostalgia attached to this show, I'm having a really good time with Gargoyles. Disney Plus. I think that the,
0: that makes me trust your recommendation of it more, because if you had some type of natal- nostalgic attachment to it, then, you know, you're you're ultimately rating it because it reminds you of a simpler time. But you're telling me that you appreciate gargoyles as an art object that you had not seen previously. I think that's solid.
1: Yeah. And again, like you're you're in this teenage like there's one scene that specifically reminded me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action movie where it's like gargoyles are flying through the city and people like, what's that? (laughs) And then the cab driver's like, it's just New York, like in uh, Turtles. It's like, hey, it looked like a giant turtle in a trench coat. Hey, where were you going? 42nd and Broadway. Like, it's just that kind (laughs) of fun world or like, yep, just another day in New York City. Um, so yeah, Gargoyles is great. Um, how about you? What's your love bite? So I'm
0: sticking with the Elvis theme and my personal theme of a hipster Elvis song recommendations. Last week I recommended, uh, Crawfish because it was featured on, uh, Joe Strummer's radio show. And this week, I'd like to recommend a little bit of a remix. We love remixes on the podcast, and there is an excellent remix mashup of Elvis's song Crying in the Chapel with none other than The Wailers, as in Bob Marley and The Wailers. And so it's Crying in the Chapel, a reggae version, and it's really, really cool. I love this version of Crying in the Chapel. Highly recommend uh, looking it up on YouTube. Elvis Presley and the Wailers, Crying in the Chapel. You will not regret it.
1: All right. Well, I listened to Crawfish, and I like that. So I'm going to... It's a cool
0: song. Doesn't it have like a cool instrumentation to it?
1: So I'm going to boot up the old YouTube now. And what is it called again?
0: Uh, so you should look up Elvis Presley and the Wailers uh, crying in the chapel.
1: Crying in the chapel. All right.
0: It sounds like a sad song, but it's actually about being happy. Of course. About being in the house of God and being with the one you love. You know, you know, Elvis is is a good gospel guy. Uh, yeah. So if you want, if you want a little bit more of the that gospel flavor, this is a great song. And then um, with the the reggae mashup, it, it's got an even cooler vibe to it.
1: All right, very nice.
0: All right, so sign us off, Big Bubba Mars. <laughs>
1: um, uh, yeah, what? Just what are you? Some sort of Bubba Ho <laughs> Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da! <laughs>